We live in a broken world. We live in a world that is riddled by sin. There's ugliness everywhere we turn. We, if you doubt it, just turn on the TV and watch the news or just listen to it on your radio just for one day. Yesterday, there was another shooting. More people lost their life. It seems like instead of things getting better, they just continually get worse. But we know the Word of God says this has got to happen and that there will be a great falling away and we understand that. But if only God would hurry up and do something. Somebody say amen to that. If only God would hurry up and fix my spouse. That is not directed at Jane. That was a general question, okay? Just a general statement. I was just doing that to keep me out of the doghouse, Mr. Charles. <laughs> if only God would hurry up and fix my kids or fix my finances or fix my job. If only God would fix some stuff in my life, everything would be better and I'd be closer to the Lord. Has anybody in here got the courage to just admit that maybe you've said that or prayed that before? Hey, I got my hand up. I have thought that. I've prayed that. If only God would fix some things, I could be closer to Him and everything would be better. But we are on a journey of faith. Our faith journey is what it is called. And we're in Numbers today. Numbers chapter 21, I believe. Numbers is one of the first five books of the Bible. Last week we came to a place where Moses, because of his emotions, he burst forth and, and it burst over and it just ran over and he struck a rock instead of speak to the rock as God said. He, he partially obeyed, but his partial obedience was just as bad as disobedience because there were consequences. His sister that he loved died at the first of chapter 20 and people grumbled and argued and attacked him. And then at the end of chapter 20, his brother Aaron passes away and dies. In those moments when we find ourselves in grief, it's hard. And we can grow impatient sometimes because of those. But here we find there's some other things that go on where there's some children of Israel that have been taken captive at the first part of chapter 21. And then they're delivered and, and we come to verse 4. Now remember, they've been wandering for 40 years. Most of the original people who came out of Egypt, they're dead. They're not around anymore. The babies and complainers that, that Moses had to hold their hands and change their diapers when they crossed the Red Sea and when they were getting the man and all that stuff, they, they have all pretty much died. But let's pick up in verse 4 and see what's going on. Then they set out from Mount Hor by the way of the Red Sea to go around the land of Edom. Now they had to go around the land of Edom because the king would not let them pass through. It was a shorter distance. It's like this. If I was going to Panama City, Florida, I would take 985, hit 85, 75, and I'd just head south going to Panama. Isn't that the way most people go? Now, Elise says no. You don't get on 75. You don't get on 75. Okay. Anyway, you go south, right? All right. Go through the middle of Georgia, south Georgia, cut over, go toward Panama. What's going on here, it would be like you're going to Panama City, but we need you to go by the way of Alabama, 
Mississippi, Louisiana to get back to Panama City. That's kind of the idea here that instead of going straight through on a journey that would really take seven, how, how long does it normally take you to get down there, Miss Elise? Six hours with Jerry driving. Seven for most people. <laughs> the journey going through Alabama would take 11 and a half hours to get to Panama City. So they are faced with this idea that this journey of going around is going to take a long, long time. And let's read verse 4. And the people became impatient because of the journey. How often do we become impatient because of our journey? Because things are not quite the way we would prefer them to be as, as quickly as we would want them to be. How often does that come along? There's a danger of impatience that I want us to look at this morning. And, and let's be on, honest about this. Impatience is a direct result of us just not getting what we expected. Let's just be honest about that. If we're impatient, it's usually because we are not getting what we really wanted. Whether it's the way somebody is acting or whether we're getting something in our life, it's usually because we're not getting the easy, the comfortable. We're not giving the microwave spiritual journey. Sometimes it's not the microwave, it's the crock pot. And we would prefer the microwave, but the crock pot seems to be the journey that God puts us on, and He did here. I want to tell you a warning. Warning people, listen, write this down. Impatience will lead to problems. Impatience will lead to problems. In our life, as we go through our life, as we become impatient, problems are going to follow. How often do we hear stories on the news of someone who is impatient in their driving? I know someone right now, because someone was impatient in their driving, they were run off the road and paralyzed for the rest of their life. Because someone was impatient. Impatience is around us, and I want you to begin by thinking impatience, warning, it's going to lead to a problem. The one thing that I want us to look at is what the people said. Verse 5, the people spoke against God and Moses. Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in this wilderness? For there is no food and no water, and we loathe this miserable food. Let's look at this for a second. It says in verse 5, they spoke against God and Moses, saying... And what they are saying isn't necessarily a question, it's a statement. Sometimes we will make a, say a question that's really a statement, won't we? Let's just be honest that we do that sometimes. People will do that. They'll, they'll, they'll make a question, say a question, but it's really a statement that they're making. And that's what these people are doing here. And here's the key thing about this is that impatience and ingratitude are companions. They, they are together most of the times because what happened, as we can see, is they're talking about this food. Listen to how much they contradict themselves. Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? Okay, number one, these are not the people that were in Egypt. These are their kids. Number two, why, why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in this wilderness? For there is no food. Really? There is no food and no water. We just read in chapter 20 where there was water. And we know that there was manna and God provided quail. So there was food, there was water. Do you understand? Their food was catered for them every day. It was catered. They had clothes that wouldn't wear out. They had, they had a guide that at night when they needed warmth or just a direction, all they had to look and see the fire and just follow the fire. And during the day there was a cloud. They didn't have to wonder, where is God? He's right over there. 
Where's the man of God? He's right over there. There's Moses. All these things were, were right around them. And here we go. The heart of the issue is in their last statement here. And we loathe this miserable food. Ingratitude is a sign of danger ahead. When our mouths begin to be ungrateful for what God has already provided and done, God will have no reason to provide anything else for us. So we see these people as they are impatient. This ingratitude just comes out. And can I tell you something? You can write this one down and take it to the bank. Your mouth will reveal your heart. Boy, I didn't get an amen out of that one, did I? Let me try this side of the room. Your mouth will reveal your heart. Your mouth will reveal your heart. And so here are these people in this wilderness and their mouth reveals their ingrateful heart. They're not thankful for what God has done. They're just upset because of what they don't already have. That they don't have what they like. Second thing about impatience is impatience leads to speaking against God and other people. Again, this is, this is written in the form of a question, but it's not really a question, Ms. Candy. It's a statement. It's a statement against God. God, you are just not measuring up to my standards. You're not good enough. You're not giving me enough. The food, it's just become bland. It's not as rich as it used to be. God, you need to do something to fix this. That is a dangerous place to be. Impatience is going to take us places that we never wanted to be. See, patience will, will bring us to a place where, where we are going to experience things like never before, but impatience is going to take us on a detour away, away from it. It's an obstacle that will keep us from becoming what God wants us to be. At the beginning of chapter 20, if you read, these people came and spoke against Moses and Aaron. Two men attacked them. And as they are attacked, they go before the Lord. And I'm sure that part of that was the reason why Moses responded the way he did. And he struck the rock instead of speak to it. He was an emotional wreck at that moment. Forty years of putting up with these people. Over forty. And then here, Aaron is dead. He's out of the picture. And these people are complaining against God and Moses. Can I tell you something that I've learned? And I believe my friend Pastor Paul Wade in the back can probably attest to this. When people are complaining against other people, it's not long before they're going to complain against God. Because sometimes they are, they are camouflaging their complaint against God by complaining to somebody else about somebody else. See, the whole essence of the law is, is measured in this, to love God and to love others. And if you're speaking against God and you're speaking against others, you just broke everything in the Old Testament, Jesus said. He said everything is summed up by those two things. So they're speaking against God and Moses, the man God had put in, in the position of being between them and God. And they spoke against those two. We have to be careful because our impatience will take us to a place where our words are going to begin to reveal the true identity of our heart that we see ourselves deserving of something that really all that we deserve is death and hell. But thanks be unto God's grace, we deserve, we get something we don't deserve. That is mercy, that is kindness, that is salvation. God is more concerned with our holiness 
than he is our happiness. That's not popular preaching, is it? You know what? And I really don't care. God is more concerned about our holiness than he is our happiness. But I can tell you, as you become holy, you're going to become happier. You're going to have joy, something that's not attached to stuff. And God is going to take us through our journey and bring us to places where we're going to have to come face to face with our impatience. And we're going to have to deal with problems that we cause and the consequences in our life that is brought on by the things that we do contrary to what God has asked us to. And we're going to fail. And you know, I'm encouraged to know that people fail in the Bible. The Bible is not filled with perfect people. That means I don't have to be perfect. Praise God. Because I'm not perfect. I fail. If you don't believe me, ask Jane. I mess up a lot. Amen? Well, now, Marty, I didn't ask you to say amen over there. <laughs> Jenna, Marty fails a lot, doesn't he? Amen. amen. Hot dog. I'm not the only one in the room. So here we have these people who grow impatient because of the journey. They're not getting where they want. They're not getting what they want. Everything's not suited to them. So they grumble against God and against Moses. So what happens? Let's read. Because the journey doesn't get easier. God doesn't go, oh, oh, I'm sorry. Let me fix that for you and make you happy. Let's see what God does. Let's pick this up. Verse 6. The Lord sent fiery serpents among the people, and they bit the people so that many people of Israel died. Oh my. <laughs> That's pretty harsh. But let me tell you something. Don't miss the grace in that verse. How many of those people should have died? All of them. But all of them didn't. Only some of them died. It took the death and the consequences of some for others to realize, whoops, we made a big mistake. We messed up. And sometimes that has to happen in our life. Because of things that we do and because of our impatience or, or stuff that goes on, we realize, man, I really have messed up. So God, forgive me. That's exactly what they do here. Let's, let's look at verse 7. So the people came to Moses and said, we have sinned. Because we have spoken against the Lord and you. Intercede with the Lord that he may remove the serpents from us. And Moses interceded for the people. Then the Lord said to Moses, Make a fiery serpent and set it on a standard, and it shall come about that everyone who is bitten, when he looks at it, he will live. And Moses made a bronze serpent and set it on the standard. And it came about that if a serpent bit any man, when he looked up to the bronze serpent... He lived. Let me tell you something. Man did not have the cure for the problem, but God did. God could have just taken the snakes away. He could have just gotten rid of the snakes, couldn't he? He could have fixed the problem, just made the snakes go away. I am not a snake fan, by the way. I'll never forget, uh, we were in Reesville, South Carolina, and we were working in some bushes one time, and I had shorts on and some boots, and, and we were there working on, on my wife's uh, uh, property, and we're cleaning out some brush, and I'm sitting there, and I'm cleaning out brush, and I don't like snakes, period, okay? Now, the only good snake is a dead snake or one that's at least 50 feet from me. That's the way I look at snakes. Now, I'm sitting there in these bushes, and I'm, I'm pulling up these weeds, and I see this thing go right by my foot. Okay, I have no pants on. It's shorts. And it is not a black snake. It has all this copper colored and all, all this stuff. And the first thing that pops through my mind, 
That thing is poisonous, and I have shorts on, nothing to even stop it from biting my leg. So I panic. Here's my reaction. I'm serious. I was having a panic attack. I couldn't breathe. Now let me tell you Jane's reaction. <laughs> where's it at? Where's, I got a hole. I'll kill it. Where's, where's the snake? And I'm going to, I have to go over and sit down on, on something and lay down on my back. And about the only word I got out was snake when I started. And, and Jane's like, well, I got a hole. I'll just kill it. Oh, my goodness. I don't like snakes. I cannot imagine these people having these snakes slithering in and out of their houses and people getting bit by them. Oh, my mother was bit by a rattlesnake when I was a kid, and I was afraid she was going to die. That may be why I hate snakes. I don't know. I don't like them. But these people were bitten by these snakes, and God could have just taken them away. But He didn't. God could have taken away the fiery furnace. But He didn't. God... Could have taken away the lions in the lion's den completely, but he didn't. God could have taken away the cross, but he didn't. We cannot see God's solution as the removal of our problem. Somebody needed that this morning. The solution may not be the removal of your problem in your life. Because God may be doing more through that problem in your life to grow you spiritually and in your faith than if He takes it away. Again, God's purpose is for your holiness, not just your happiness. See, the key principle here for this whole journey idea and this impatience and patience and what they're going through and how these fiery serpents were there, which means the word fiery, it doesn't have to do with their color. It has to do with when they were bit, it stung, it burned, it felt like fire, and then some people died from it. Here it is. The purpose of our current journey is to develop our faith. That's the whole purpose of what's going on here because, see, God could have just taken the snakes away, but yet He said, Moses, I want you to, to take a serpent... Put it on a standard. Now what that is is a stick. And I want you to put it high up on a stick so that when somebody gets bit, they can look at it. And that word there for look isn't just simply to gaze and see or just to comprehend. It is to actually look and believe and say, okay, my faith is in what God has told me to do. And it, that is the word that's used in the Hebrew. And it is an essence of faith. It's not just simply an, an, an object See, notice that faith brought life rather than death. And let me tell you, our faith in Jesus Christ brings life rather than death. Jesus actually even used this idea over in John chapter 3, verses 14 and 15. There's a man that came to him late at night named Nicodemus. And he came asking a question about eternal life. And Jesus said, unless a man be born again, he will never enter into the kingdom of God. And Nicodemus was like, well, how in the world can I be born again? Can I enter into my mother's womb again? That's impossible. He goes on to talk about this spiritual new birth that should take place. And it is verses 14 and 15 of chapter 3 where Jesus says this, 
As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, so that whoever believes will in him have eternal life. When I read that, there's something that I want to address for a moment. Behind me is a cross hanging, hanging on a wall. It's got a crown of thorns. I have a cross. I have several in my office. We've got one on the front of this building. we got one on the front porch of our office. Understand, we are not ashamed of the cross of Jesus Christ at Chicopee Baptist Church. An atheist who wants to do business with us will hear, you need to come look for the cross on the front porch of, of the office to know where the office is at. They're going to hear about the cross. The cross is important. But the cross is not the object of our faith. We as Christians will take the cross and lift it up so high and forget about the one who died on that cross for us. Our faith is to be in Jesus. See, this is what he said. He said the Son of Man will be lifted up. He doesn't even say it's a cross at this point. He just says the Son of Man will, must be lifted up. So whoever believes in Him will have eternal life. The object of our faith is Jesus, ladies and gentlemen. It's great to wear a cross. It's good to have a cross on your car as long as you drive appropriately. It's okay to have a cross that people can see on your t-shirt as long as you behave appropriately. Don't give Jesus a bad name. But the point is this. Jesus is the object of our faith. The crosses will not go anywhere at Chicopee Baptist Church. But I want us to be reminded that Jesus is the object of our faith, not a cross. What happened to this standard that Moses made? Can I tell you something that's very interesting? 2 Kings chapter 18, Hezekiah, he is there. He is going to, to cleanse the land of idols. And he's tearing down the Asherah pole and, and other idols. And guess what it specifically says in 1 Kings chapter 18, 2 Kings chapter 18 that he tears down. He tears down the pole with the bronze serpent that Moses lifted up. Because they were sacrificing incense to it. That which had delivered them from death became an idol in their life. And not the one who actually did the delivering. So we have to be very careful that, that we begin to think, well, well, I go to church on Sunday, I read my Bible every day, I am absolutely a great Christian, I don't say bad words, I don't cuss, I don't talk about people, God should be good to me. God, God is God and He is doing something in your life. If you think you're all that good, He needs to strip, uh, just strip away some pride in your life because you ain't all that in a bag of chips, ladies and gentlemen, let me tell you. If you think you're something because of what you do, the Word of God says my works are like filthy rags before the Lord. So should we even try? Absolutely. But we have to understand our faith is not in what we do, but what He's already done. It is our faith is in Jesus. He is the one who reveals that there is a need. There was a, a need revealed in this story. The need was there had to be salvation from death. These snakes are biting and they're bringing death. Can I tell you, sin is biting and it's bringing death. It's bringing death to you and I and to our children and to our neighbors and to our country and to our world because it's a separation from God. There is a need that has been revealed and it is God's grace that sends Jesus, the object of our faith, 
for that redemption, for the solution. And the availability is very easy. The availability is for us to just look to the Christ and the work He did on the cross and see Jesus. We don't have to go anywhere special. He is here. He is the object of our faith. And we can know that it doesn't cost us a thing. See, the solution, nobody had to pay for the solution. When they were bit by that fiery serpent, that snake, all they had to do, do was just look to that that was lifted up. They didn't have to go pay money. They didn't have to build it themselves. They just had to look. It was free. And it was sufficient. When they looked and they believed and they had the faith, then they lived. And there was assurance for them in that faith. But today, there are so many people that scoff at Christ. They laugh at Christianity and say, well, it's just a religion. And can I tell you something? Some religion is just religion. Some churches are just religion. But what I'm talking about is a relationship with Jesus Christ. Where our faith is in Him and we believe in the work that He has done and we know that we know that we know that we have been redeemed and changed. That will change the world. That will change the hearts of people. It will redeem families, communities. Warren Wiersbe said, People today scoff at the cross while they try to kill the snakes and manufacture new anti-snake remedies. They try to find new ways to get to God. Yet every remedy man has manufactured has failed. Reformation, education, better laws, religion, all have had their day. And still people are dying in sin. And let me tell you today what I want to lift up. It's Jesus. Nothing more than Jesus. Because our faith must be in Jesus Christ. And Jesus is, is says that this, this serpent that was put on this standard and held up was a representation of what would happen to him. And we can see what they did, and which is the same thing we need to do. What must we do? Number one is we must confess. When's the last time you confess something? We must confess and come to the Lord and say, I, I have fallen short. I've messed up. When the going gets tough, some people go shopping. Can I say when the going gets tough and you're struggling? Go to God in prayer. Confess and say, Lord, here I am. I'm a mess. I've messed up. That's what these, these people did in Numbers chapter 21. They came, they said, whoops, there's consequences to, to this stuff. And they said, please pray to the Lord. We have sinned because we have spoken against the Lord and you, Moses. The other thing is this, we must believe. God said to Moses, make this thing so that when they look, when they have the faith, when they believe, they will be delivered and have life. And that is what we do today with Jesus Christ. We must look at Jesus and believe and have faith. We must believe the whole journey is about our faith. You may be struggling today. There may be stuff going on that is hard. But I do know that God is present. God is working. God wants to develop your faith and make you something that you never thought possible. What's going to be your response? Are you going to believe He's going to do that? 
Are you going to confess your sins to Him and confess your unbelief and your struggles? That's what these people did. That's what Christ has asked of us. We don't have to pay any other price except for just confess and believe. And God will transform and change lives. Charles Spurgeon said, To trust God in the light is nothing, but to trust Him in the dark, that is faith. You may be struggling today, and it may be dark in your life. It may be hard. There may be some snakes that's come along in your life, and they have done some biting, and you're hurting. Or someone you know is hurting really bad. But can I say to you, put your faith in Jesus, trust in Him, and believe that He's going to do something great. He is our hope. That is why we're here today. I, I came across this acronym. Somebody sent this to me. Faith, forwarding all issues to heaven. Faith is forwarding all issues to heaven and giving it to, to God. We can have desires and we can have dreams today. We can, we can want something else and it cannot be as good as we think it really could be. But are we willing to step back and have the faith that God's given us exactly what we need right now? Let us do that in our life because that's part of the faith journey. Christ must be lifted up just like the standard was. And I want you to know today we lift up Jesus here in this place and I lift him up before you. That the solution is not another, another sermon or another song. The solution is Jesus. It's not going to be you feeling better. It's going to be Jesus. That is the solution. So the third and final thing that we need to do, not only do we need to confess and believe, but we need to embrace the faith journey that we are on. The faith journey God has us on today. We must embrace it and understand that where we are is not by accident. It didn't catch God by surprise. God is doing a great work. I cannot imagine what it was like with all these snakes slithering around, biting people. I think I would have been running as far away from that camp as I could possibly get. But in those moments... God was drawing people to this idea of faith. And that's what we need today. Would you pray with me? Father, today, many of us are on a journey. And that journey has its ups, it has its downs. We have joy and we have sadness. We have pleasure and we have pain. Lord, in our mouth will reveal where our heart really is. As each of us sit and begin to evaluate the things that we've been saying lately, may you reveal to us where our heart truly is. Father, use us. Direct us to be more like Christ. Chip away the things that are not pleasing to you. Yes, it's going to hurt, Lord. But help us be like Jesus. Father, today, for those who have not began a relationship with Jesus, it is so 
important that they see this is not about church, it's not about a cross, but it's about Jesus, about what you, your son did, Jesus Christ on the cross for us. Lord, these people who were bitten by these serpents that were destined to die, which is a representation of all of us, all they had to do was to look and have faith. They didn't have to have all their answers questioned, uh, all their questions answered. They didn't have to have uh, the right theology. They didn't have to, to, to learn certain, uh, certain uh, things from Scripture. All they had to do was look and believe. Father, it is that simple. For those who do not know Jesus, all they have to do is have faith to believe that Jesus died for them. So right now, Father, may they just simply ask you to forgive them and to take over their life. Lord, we thank you for your word and we thank you for what your word says and does for us. Lord, you are our great God. And we have faith in you today in Jesus' name.